shall we begin? And here we go. Let the games begin. Alright, alright, alright. A new age has begun. An age of freedom. This is Sparta! Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is a chopper! This is going to be quite a ride. <laughs> Welcome to the Movie Pit Podcast. I am your host, Christian. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast this week. It is the first official podcast of the new year. Uh, so it's the new year. It's going to be the same old podcast, uh, unfortunately, for all of you that have to listen. Uh, but um, hello, everybody. Welcome. Self hating is still is still relevant on this podcast but uh hello everybody welcome uh this is of course the movie pit podcast where we talk about all of the big breaking movie news items of the week we also talk about the movie trailers that come out throughout the week and of course we talk about the movies that are coming out at the end of the week and this weekend for all your viewing pleasures this beats podcast is going to be a little different uh it was originally supposed to be a two-part podcast uh however i just kind of blended everything together considering how uh, kind of relatively short, at least the beginning of the week, it was uh, for movie news and trailer-wise, but uh, as we've gotten closer to the end of this week, uh, it's gotten a little bigger. So I'm just going to combine everything together. This is probably going to end up being one long podcast, so I apologize for that. But uh, I figured, why not start off the new year with a long podcast and hopefully progressively get a little bit shorter as the year goes on, uh, podcast lengthwise. But uh, yeah, hello, Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, of course, the movies of the year, as you can see from the title, so we're going to talk about uh, my favorites, my disappointments, my least liked, my surprises, my undecided movies of the year. We're going to be doing that. Uh, So let's just get right to it. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's talk about this week's movie news items. And of course, as always, we're going to start off with trailer talk. Coming soon to theaters. So one brief trailer we're going to talk about is the new trailer for Brahms, The Boy 2. Uh, that came out this week. This is, of course, a sequel to The Boy that came out, uh, I believe, two three years ago already. Uh, so the movie is unaware of the terrifying history of Hillshire Mansion. A young family moves into a guest house on the estate where a young son, where the young son makes an unsettling new friend, an eerily like doll he calls Brahms. The movie will be led by Katie Holmes. It also stars, for all you horror fans, out there, Rife Einson, I think that's how you pronounce the last name, he was the father in The Witch, so he's in there, he makes a brief appearance in the trailer, hopefully he's in the movie a lot more than that, uh, the movie uh, will be once again directed by William Brent Bell, who directed the first film, and The Boy comes out on February 21st, uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of The Boy, um, I think the final little twist that they gave in the movie was just kind of came out of the blue and wasn't really all that great uh but this one it kind of seems like they're taking a weird new twist to it uh it almost feels like they're besides brahms himself and maybe uh or not maybe but they do show in the trailers the history of of the doll being in all these events it kind of seems like they're ignoring everything that happened again it's only a trailer so we don't know but uh it kind of does seem like they're taking a more supernatural twist to brahms 
considering what's uh, happened in the last movie. So, obviously, we'll have to take the wait-and-see approach to that, but uh, there you go. There's Brahms the Boy 2. But the main trailers we're going to talk about this week, the first one is the long-awaited new trailer for the long-delayed New Mutants that came out this week. And, um, of course, it follows five young mutants who are housed in a secret facility where they are learning about their abilities and uh, also involved in a secret experiment they know nothing about. Uh, And uh, trailer-wise, it doesn't look too bad. What's the last thing you remember, Danny? He said we had to run. The reason you survived is because you're a very uncommon girl. You're not alone. Not anymore. Do you know what mutants are? Would anyone like to share their first time? Rain? I was 13. I thought it was a dream. I just lost control. Sam? I started panicking. People got hurt. Roberto? My girlfriend had burned hair. Eliana? I killed 18 men. One by one. This isn't a hospital. It's a cage. It's important we find out your power so we can help you get better. I saw something. I don't think she wanted me to see. here to get better the movie has gone through a lot since it was shot back in 2017 and it was originally set to come out uh april of 2018 but it got pushed back to february of last year where many rumors started to slew uh slew out director josh boone had pitched a more horror tinged movie to fox to shoot uh and he shot it that way and it was supposed to shoot that way but fox got some cold feet and they wanted to tone it down so then reshoots were set up um to amp up the more horror aspect of it after josh boone had said he wasn't you know that wasn't originally going to happen but fox kept delaying the movie until they originally uh, or until they uh not originally until they finally completely removed it from the release schedule and all that said it's finally now coming out boone has come out and said uh, before the new trailer dropped that this version that that's coming out to theaters is the one he's happy with, uh, despite the reshoots never happening to amp up the horror aspect of it. It is also going to be PG-13, and that was originally the whole point. It wasn't going to be a rated R movie, like many rumors had come out and said. Boone has himself said that it was always going to be PG-13, that it was going to be PG-13. That was always going to be the plan. Uh, so... Trailer-wise, it doesn't look too bad. Uh, it is. We do see a lot more new footage. Uh, obviously, the trailer that came out way long ago. Um, it was just a teaser. There wasn't too much of it. Then it gave you the idea that it is. It was at least for, at that point going to be something different, where it was going to be a horror-inspired uh, superhero movie. And it is. There, there's still the horror aspects here as well. Um, I'm just more interested in seeing what's what's happening uh, uh, how much of this movie is the movie that Boone actually shot how much of it is 
what had to be edited out or edited back in. You know, I, I I'm more really more interested in seeing uh, what's going to happen uh, fan wise, reception wise, because you know obviously this movie has gone. This movie is kind of a joke uh, <laughs> to to a lot of the f- uh, fan base already. Um, but now that it's coming out, hopefully it's coming out this year. It is going to come out in April, April third to be more exact. So hopefully that is the case. And, and the cast is great. I mean, you got Anya Taylor Joy in there uh, playing. Um, I already forgot her mutant name, but she's in there. Uh, Maisie Williams, Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things, uh, and we got some newcomers in there: Henry Zaga, Blue Hunt, and uh, of course an established actress and herself, Alice Braga, is in there. So, I don't know, I mean, trailer-wise, it, it's fine. It, it's, it gives off that same vibe that the teaser came out. Again, teaser came out so long ago. Um, but it gives off that same vibe. It's a horror tinge. You got these young mutants figuring out, no pun intended, uh, the, uh, who, what, what they're trying to do, uh, what their powers are, what, why they're in this facility that says it's trying to help them. But, obviously, it's probably doing something a lot more different. You have that money shot of Anya Taylor-Joy, um, why did I keep forgetting your name? But you got her character. Uh, I know all of you are shouting at me, but you got her character. She's the sister of Colossus, and for what as for I for whatever reason I can't remember her name. It's gonna bother crap on me. But you got that money shot of her uh, busting out her her magic with uh, creating her her hand into the sword, uh, which is really great. And of course, a lot of fans will uh, will know what that means and. Uh, what that could possibly entail for the new mutants if they decide, if Fox and Disney, ultimately Disney, decides they want to continue on with the new mutants in uh, in in the future. So it should be interesting to kind of see how that plays out a little bit. Um, so yeah, so new mutants, again, trailer-wise, it looks fine. You know, just hopefully it actually comes out finally, because <laughs> that's all I really want from this movie. I was on board. I, I was totally on board with new mutants when the first teaser dropped, when it was announced that it was going to be kind of a horror a superhero movie, I know a lot of people were like, well, why are you doing that? I was on board for that. It was something different, which everyone says they want until they actually get it. And then they're like, nah, we, why are you doing that? So I was always on board with that. So let's hope let's hope for the best for New Mutants. The other new trailer that came out this week, and the last trailer we're going to talk about this week on the podcast, is Birds of Prey. I'm not going to call it the whole, I'm not going to say the whole title, because it's 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 just Birds of Prey uh, to me. The new trailer dropped, uh, dropped this week, and um, it does a hell of a lot better job explaining who the other actual characters are. Uh, one of my big things that I talked about uh, uh, the last trailer that dropped, the first trailer that dropped, it, it was basically Harley Quinn, and yes... I mentioned then, I'll mention now, Harley Quinn is going to be the selling point of this movie. Uh, because it is Margot Robbie. Everyone loved her Harley Quinn. I was a fan of her Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad. Probably one of the only good parts about Suicide Squad. Well, to be fair, I haven't gone back and watched it. Maybe it's good. Uh, I can't even say that with a straight face. But her, her, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is going to be the sell point, selling point of this movie. But uh, obviously, they're calling it Birds of Prey. Uh, so, uh, trailer-wise, does a hell of a lot better job of explaining who these characters are. So, yeah, good, good, good on you, Warner Brothers, for for changing that up. Can I help you? Why, yes, yes, you can. I'm here to report a terrible crime. And what terrible crime is that? This one. Ah, oh, shit! I told this all wrong. Quick history lesson. This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough, I was back on my feet. 
ready to embrace the fierce goddess within. Shh. <laughs> it's oh so quiet. Now that I cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people You're want me dead. All alone. And at the top of that list is this guy. And so peaceful. And but it turns out. That wasn't the only dame in Gotham looking for emancipation. You fall in love. He's after all of us. We can't just rob him. You betrayed him. You killed his BFF. What? You are so cool. You never. And you're dumb enough to be building a case against him. So, unless we all want to die very unpleasant death, we're going to have to work together. Psychologically speaking, vengeance rarely brings the catharsis we hope for. Yeah. Are we ready? I kind of liked it. It, it. The trailer, I kind of, I did kind of like it. It's, it's, it's a little different. I wasn't really expecting what the trailer was going to show. You know, they had their, uh, Brazil had their big Comic Con and they showed the opening scene and they showed, uh, I don't know if they showed this trailer or maybe something else. Um, but, uh, everyone really was on board with it down there. So hopefully that ener that same energy comes up and pops up up here. Uh, so we have, you know, like I mentioned, we have, uh, Robbie's Harley Quinn. We have Mary Elizabeth Winston's, uh, playing Huntress. We have, uh, Journey's Smollett Bell. Hopefully I pronounced her, her name right. Uh, she's playing Black Canary. Rosie Perez is playing Renee Montoya. And Ella J. Bosco, who's a newcomer in Hollywood, is playing Cassandra Kane. You also have, um, Ian McGregor in there playing Black Mask, and you actually see him with the mask itself in the trailer, which I thought was really cool. Uh, you see Canary using her powers for the first time, or at least, you know, for the first time that we've seen in the trailers and stuff, which is really great, but there's a lot of action in there. You know, there was that, that big report that came out that uh, the movie was going back to reshoots to ump up the action, uh, and they used the same stunt team as... Uh, John Wick movies use, so they were going to do that, we see a brawl that looks like in a prison, that was teased in the last trailer, uh, more of the kind of carnival, carnival, why did I say that word, carnival, uh, fun house kind of esque uh, setting there, there's a lot more action in that, uh, Chris Messina is in the movie as well, he's playing Victor Zayas, which of course is a Batman villain, uh, Ali Wong is in the movie, although we don't know who she's playing, but um, we get a good, we get a good vibe of of why these characters are coming together you know harley quinn's uh narration saying you know uh you killed his bestie you stole from him you're pulling a case against him um you know you double crossed him so it's it's a nice it's it's a it's 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 nice that we're getting more of the movie because we don't really know we didn't really know what the movie was about we knew all these characters were coming together but we don't know why but now we see why i'm not overly excited for birds of prey i think i've just we've I've just been burdened by the DC movies in the past. Again, the kind of the first trailer kind of rubbed me in the wrong way. But uh, as for this trailer, it's 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 a decent trailer. It's a decent trailer. It gives you what it gives us everything that we wanted to possibly know, and enough to make the fans who are looking forward to this excited. Uh, we do see the hyena in one of the, at least one of the hyenas uh, get a bigger get some more screen time in here if you, if you're interested in that. So there you go. Uh, Birds of Birds of Prey comes out February seventh, so not too long away, a few weeks away. So we'll have to 
Uh, obviously, we'll talk more about that once we get closer to the release date. Uh, so those are the trailers we're going to talk about this week. All right, so let's move on to the actual movie news items of the week. Uh, we're going to do some quick fire first. So the first quick fire movie news item is that Nicholas Hoyt has joined Mission Impossible. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie's upcoming Mission Impossible movie is rounding out its cast. Hoyt will reportedly play the villain of the movie. By the way, if you need to uh, face the name, he was Beast in the the, the new X Men movies. Uh, he was he played Tolkien in Tolkien that came out last year. If anyone ended up watching that, uh, so he now he he joins the new cast members of Halle Atwell, of course. Peggy Carter from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Shane Wingham, who was also actually in the show Peggy Carter, or Agent Carter, uh, but he's also this big character actor that everyone knows. He was in uh, Kong, was the last thing, he was in Death Note, if anyone saw that, he played the father. Uh, I don't know why that Death Note popped in my head, in my mind, but it just did. Uh, but he's, he's in a bunch of stuff, that you will know him when you see him. Uh, and then uh, finally, Guardians of the Galaxy actress, Palm uh, Clementif who plays uh, Mantis. Uh, of course, Tom Cruise will return to play Ethan Hunt. Rebecca Ferguson will also come back to play her character in the movies. Uh, McQuarrie will write and direct both new Mission Impossible movies because they are reportedly shooting back-to-back. Seven and eight are shooting back-to-back. Seven will come out next year on July 23rd, and the eighth film will come out on August 5th, the following year on the uh, 2020. Or 2022. We're in 2020. Uh, it's gonna that's that's gonna bother me. Uh, so the next uh, quick fire movie news item is that Timothy Chalamet, who can be seen in Little Women in theaters right now, is reportedly set to play Bob Dylan in a new biopic about the singer's life, which will be directed by James Mangold, who directed Logan and recently Ford versus Ferrari. The biopic will be about Dylan's early life as he slowly rises to fame and acclaim in the mid twentieth century. Other than that, there's no other details about it, other than he will be. Uh, playing Bob Dylan. So, if you're a Timothy Chalamet fan, there you go. The next quick fire movie news item is that Sam Raimi dropped a huge nugget for all you Evil Dead fans out there, including myself, during a Reddit AMA, aka Ask Me Anything, uh, over the weekend. Of course, the question of Evil Dead came up, and surprisingly, Raimi answered uh, with an answer saying this, saying, quote, Bruce Rob, of course, Bruce being Bruce Campbell, and Rob being Rob Tappert, one of the producers, a longtime producer of the Evil Dead franchise, and I are working with a young filmmaker who is writing a new Evil Dead story that will that that he will direct as for me i would love to direct a new evil dead movie but i'd really uh like to do it with bruce and he says he's retired with the character i hope not end quote uh so that's all he revealed there's no word yet on if the new evil dead movie will be a brand new thing if it will be a continuation of fede alvarez's uh 2013 version which itself was a reboot sort of reboot-esque kind of following the same timeline kind of thing uh so we don't know anything anything about that and as for the new filmmaker uh that's all uh Raimi gave so we don't know who's working on it uh at the moment but there is new evil dead being worked on uh let's hope it uh turns out great um so the next uh quick quick fire movie news item it's the last quick fire movie news item is that in a surprising news the composer of the new James Bond film No Time to Die, Dan Romer, is being replaced in the film just three months before the release of the movie. Variety broke the news, and the outlet says that the reasoning is creative differences, but no more details were given besides that. Romer has uh, been a frequent collaborator 
of uh of the director of the new James Bond movie, Kerry Jojo Fukuhara or Fukunara. I always I, I never know how to say his last name. Uh, having done his uh, movies Beast of No Nation and his Netflix series Manic, now with three months left to go, veteran Bond producers have gone with the legendary composer Hans Zimmer, which is really really great. The outlet speculates that Zimmer may get help from other composers to complete the deadline that they have. Uh, they suggest that he may bring in Benjamin uh, Walfish, who helped him with Blade Runner 2049, or Lauren Balfe, who helped him with Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, now, this isn't the first time this has happened, especially with the time frame that that's been given. Uh, Michael Giancino replaced Alexandra Desplat on Rogue One with only four and a half weeks to complete a new score for the movie to come out. Uh, and of course, Rogue One had a, a whole other thing going on, but you know, score-wise, to show, give you a, a frame of reference, four and a half weeks to complete a brand new score for a movie that was also going through a ton of reshoots. Uh, that, that says a lot. Uh, no Time to Die will open up here in the States on April 10th. Uh, and if you're in the UK, or if you just want to fly to the UK to go watch it early, you can go watch it on April 2nd. Alright, so those are all your quickfire movie news items. Let's get to the big movie news items of the week and so far. And as, as far as this recording goes, there's only two that I really want to point out to you guys. The first one is a Knives, I, uh, Knives Out sequel is in the works, which is really, really great. Uh, it was reported uh, that a sequel is already greenlit and in the works for Ryan Johnson's hit Knives Out. The news comes from The Hollywood Reporter. They said they got their news from Johnson himself, but there hasn't been any official press releases or anything like that, so right now just kind of have to take it on their word, although The Hollywood Reporter is a very well-known and established news outlet, so they have no reason, and they usually don't speculate on rumors too much, so there is that. And considering that they got it from Brian Johnson himself, I'm, I'm in the camp that they are actually going to do this, or that Johnson himself did say this. Uh, so the sequel would focus on Daniel Craig's character, Benoit Blanc, and wants to begin filming as early as next year to potentially release the movie... Uh, in the same year, uh, next year as well. Uh, Knives Out, by the way, if case you need a reference, Knives Out was filmed in October of 2018 and released, or filmed, or end filming, I should say, in December of 2018 as well. So, Johnson can do it. And of course, he had, of course, they, they pretty much filmed it in one location, so, you know, it's easier to do that. Uh, there's no word yet on if Daniel Craig will return, but I can only assume that he will, since we can't really see anyone else playing that character other than Daniel Craig. Uh, and it will also be a brand new cast of characters. They won't bring anyone back besides uh, Daniel Craig. So that's that's kind of cool. Uh, Knives Out, by the way, very, very good movie. We'll talk about a little bit more about Knives Out a little bit later on the podcast. Just saying. And the final movie news item we're going to talk about in a huge surprise, to me at least, Christian Bale is in talks to join Thor, Love, and Thunder. It's unclear who Bale will play, although everyone and their mother on Twitter was saying that he could play Beta Ray Bill. Uh, there were some other characters that were being thrown around as well, but everyone was fascinated with Christian Bell playing Beta Red Bill in the movie, so we don't know. Uh, this will be Bell's return to the comic book movie world since 2012, where, of course, he finished up his, his, uh, his reign as Batman in The Dark Knight Rises. We don't know too much about the fourth Thor film just yet. Natalie Portman will, of course, come back to play Jane Foster and become Thor in the movie, or maybe she's already Thor by the time the movie starts. Tessa Thompson will also return, of course, to play Valkyrie, and of course, of course, Chris Hemsworth will come back to play 
Thor himself. Taika Waititi will return to direct as well. I believe he's also writing the film, or at least partially writing the film. Uh, he did admit during the whole Golden Globes uh, promotional circuit that production will begin this summer. Uh, they do have a release date for Thor Love and Thunder, and that is November 5th of 2021, so that makes sense. Uh, and we should probably get to know, or we'll know a lot more about the movie once they start filming and once they're done with filming and stuff like that. So, there you go. Uh, Christian Bale, obviously, great solid choice. Never thought I'd see him back in the superhero world, but here he is, and he's going to be in Thor. Who is he playing? I don't know. If he, if he does end up playing Beta Ray Bill, great, fine perfect go for it if he ends up playing someone else great you know the fact that they got someone as solid christian bale to be in a, in a marvel movie and of all movies a thor movie is is all around fantastic so so it turns out that wasn't the last bit of movie news i know because in some shocking some truly shocking news and news that has been kind of dividing a lot of people and at the same time making people angry scott derrickson uh the director of doctor strange and the supposed sequel to Doctor Strange, has dropped out of directing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. The reasoning is said to be the thing that runs rampant in Hollywood is creative differences. Now, Derrickson will remain on as an executive producer, but I can't honestly see who they would get to replace him and not only that, do as good as a job as him. Uh, at least that was my initial reaction when I first heard this news. I personally thought that Derrickson was the perfect choice to direct Doctor Strange and even its sequel. But I guess we'll now have to wait and see. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch will return, of course, to play Doctor Strange. As will Benedict Wong, who played Wong in the movie. And the movie will also feature Elizabeth Olsen's Wanda slash Scarlet Witch. The movie was also said to be a tie-in to Disney Plus show WandaVision with the events of the show leading into the movie itself. Uh, this isn't the first departure for Doctor Strange. Robert C. Cargill, uh, who wrote the first movie with Derrickson, stepped away earlier this year from writing the script. That's when Marvel hired Jade Haley Bartlett, uh, Bartlett, I should say, to write the script. And it sounds like she may get solo credit only because Derrickson didn't mention it in his departure tweet. Uh, that he made. He, in the tweet, he did mention that he was going to stay on as an executive producer, but no mention of the script. So it sounds like maybe Derrickson's script, uh, at least the newer version of the script, doesn't have anything um, that he wrote himself, or at least uh, majority wrote himself. Now, this, of course, isn't the first time that Marvel has lost a director and, uh, for a big movie, of course. Uh, everyone remembers uh, Edgar Wright leaving Ant-Man after he was attached for so long and put a lot of work into that, and then he ended up dropping out. And of course, that's when uh, Payne Reed stepped in uh, to direct the movie. Now, production is still expected to start this May, and Marvel still uh, has their release date for May 7th of next year in 2021. So, uh, with the intention that they will find a director very soon. Of course, Marvel is on the search for a new director. They could potentially still make all of that happen and the release date happen. Of course, Marvel is a well-oiled machine, but they are not exempt to the rules of creative differences either. So, like I mentioned, when the report, when the news broke out, everyone kind of, you know, had their... Uh, up and, was up in arms. I was one of them. You know, like I just mentioned earlier, I think Derrickson was... The perfect choice to direct Doctor Strange, it was the weirdness that he bought into it, along with Robert C. Car along with C. Robert Cargill and everyone, so it was 
it just it, it just it just fit. It was it was a good fit, and I mentioned that he was the perfect choice. Going back now, I can maybe kind of see Alex Garland kind of stepping into that. Alex Garland, the director of Annihilation, uh, he also um, was part of the the team that brought Dread to the big screen. So I, I can kind of see him doing a little bit. Only I only see him doing it because of, of course Ex Machina and Annihilation. Of course, having those weird trippy. Um, sci-fi vibes to it that he can kind of bring that into uh Doctor Strange in the multi in the in the multiverse of madness. Uh of course one of the big things that everyone's focusing on with this is that um Kevin Feige kind of was stepping back a little bit on what Derrickson said. Now when it was first reported Derrickson came out and said that uh Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was kind of was gonna be kind of Marvel's first real horror movie at least in the Marvel Cinematic it was going to be the first horror movie in the for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Kevin Feige I think a little bit after that came out kind of stepped back on that saying that it wasn't really going to be Marvel's first horror uh, movie at all and then of course the report came in that I think it was on Twitter I think it was this morning that I saw it I'm recording this little section on on Friday because the news broke, uh, uh, this news broke late last night on Thursday. There was a tweet that I saw this morning of the four posts, the kind of four headlines. Uh, Derrickson signing on to to the movie, saying it's going to be a horror movie. Kevin Feige saying that it wasn't going to be a horror movie, and then the fourth report was the hiring of a new writer and Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange and Scott Derrickson leaving. Now, listen, I mentioned earlier. Marvel is a well-doiled machine. They know exactly what they're doing. They are not going to, you know, do anything stupid or drastic and and do something that's going to damage their not only their cinematic universe but damage a character a lot a lot of people have cared about. Derrickson is still involved in the project, which is one of the things that you know I think everyone was kind of worried about. It is an executive producer role, so it's not going to be as hands-on as it should be, but. Um, We'll see how that all that works out. Again, I when I first read the news, I was very upset. Uh, I thought that the only person that could pull that off was Derrickson. But upon you know just letting it sit for a while, I think Alex Garland would be a good choice. I don't know if Marvel would even probably hire Alex Garland at all. But uh, if I had my own personal choice, I think Alex Garland would be a good choice to replace Derrickson. But it should be interesting to see who they end up replacing Derrickson with. Uh, I think that will probably be a, a major stepping stone to get the fans back involved in this, uh, who they end up getting to replace Derrickson, because a lot of people were behind Derrickson's idea, and um, you know there was rumors floating out there what the movie's going to be about and, and what potential plot points there's going to be about, but you know now with Derrickson no longer at the helm, it's going to be interesting to see how much of that ends up being true, because obviously when you get a new director, they're going to want to put their own input into stuff, so... It should be interesting how this all turns out. Of course, WandaVision got pushed up. Uh, Division was supposed to come out in 2021, but now it's coming out this year. So we don't know how that's all that's going to play out and how all that ends up playing out with each other. Because like I mentioned, the events of WandaVision will lead directly into Doctor Strange and um, in the Multiverse of Madness. So very shocking news. Um, some bittersweet news, obviously. I mean, you know, you don't want someone to compromise your vision, so I applaud Derrickson for for doing. And they said the split was amicable. We'll we'll see how amicable it is, but uh, but yeah, that's that's a pretty big that's a pretty big blow to uh, to what's going on. All right, 
All right, back to the uh, the normal programming, or at least the already pre-recorded programming. <laughs> that will go straight into this week's movie releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so this week uh, we have two expansions coming out this week. The first expansion is Just Mercy. That is the movie based on a true story that stars uh, Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Uh, that can't, that gets an expansion this week. Also getting an expansion this week is 1917, uh, the new war movie that was shot by... Uh, Sam Mendes, the director of Skyfall, uh, and the cinematography was done by the legendary and famed Roger Deakins, that they filmed it to make it look like one continuous shot, uh, so I'm gonna go watch that this weekend, I'm very excited for that, uh, so those are your expansions, we have no real big limited releases coming out this week, so we got two wide releases, first one is Like a Boss, two friends played by Rose Byrne and Tiffany Haddish, with very different ideals, decide to start a beauty company together, one is more practical while the other wants to earn her fortune uh and live a lavish lifestyle like a boss also co-stars Selma Hayek, Billy Porter and Jennifer Coolidge uh I I guess I'll go watch this I'm I'm you know I love Rose Byrne I love Tiffany Haddish Selma Hayek's great as well uh I don't know too much about Billy Porter I keep seeing him pop up everywhere but I don't know too much about him uh and Jennifer Coolidge of course is is a great uh character actress as well but uh I don't know I just uh, the movie's not really pulling me in too much um the next movie we're gonna talk about is of course underwater that comes out a crew of aquatic researchers why did i say that weird work to get uh to safety after an earthquake devastates their subterranean laboratory but the crew has more than the ocean seabed to fear underwater stars Kirsten stewart jennifer uh jessica Henwick, why did I say Jennifer? Uh, Jessica Henwick, John Gallagher Jr., T.J. Miller, and Vincent Cassell. Uh, I've been looking forward to this since it came, uh, since I first saw the trailer for it uh, last year. It looked very interesting. I didn't even know this movie was happening, and then it just kind of the trailer just kind of dropped. And I don't know what it was about the trailer; it just really drew me in. I kind of like uh, that aspect. It's almost like a space movie, but it's not really a space movie because it's under obviously it's underwater but you have that kind of maybe somewhat alien feel to it or kind of cloverfield into it you know everyone's kind of saying that the monsters that are popping up kind of look like the cloverfield monster a little bit so i'm kind of looking forward to it uh, i've been looking forward to it and i'm kind of been looking forward to it to this weekend but obviously the big thing for me this weekend is 1917 because i've been dying to watch that movie since since uh since i saw the trailer for it and since i found out that uh roger deacon shot it to make it look like one continuous shot so yeah but there you go. Your wide releases, Like a Boss and Underwater. Your expansion releases are 1917 and Just Mercy. That is your regular podcast for the week. Um, because this is usually the part where I say uh, thanks for listening, guys. But we're not done yet. Because, like I mentioned, this podcast is going to be a little bit longer because we're going to talk about our favorite movies of the year. Or just our movies of 2019. I mean, our favorites will be one of the movies we discuss. But uh, our movies of 2019 will begin right now. Hail to the king, baby. Alright, so to put into uh, the headspace of where I've, where, what the year for me has been, uh, I watched a total of 113 movies this year. Uh, I think it might be 114 because I don't think I counted one, but it's the 113, 114 range. It's still in that range. It's it's one or the other, but it's still a lot of movies for me. 
Uh, studio count wise, if you want to know if you even care about that, uh, Warner Brothers beat out the year with 16, Sony with 12, Universal with 10, Disney with 9. Disney, by the way, and it encompasses everything except for Fox. It encompasses Lucas, and encompasses Marvel, and encompasses their their animated stuff, their Pixar as well. So that's nine. Lionsgate also with nine. Fox with eight. Netflix with seven. Paramount with five. A24 with four. Amazon Studios with three, uh, as well as uh, Well Go USA. Those are usually like my foreign movies that I would go watch, like my martial arts movies or stuff like that. Uh, Focus Features with two, STX Entertainment with two, and uh, Annapurna Pictures with two. I believe Neon was somewhere in the range of two or three, but I kind of lumped it all together with the other category, with the other category being a bunch of other studios, like the smaller studios or some of the film festival movies that I went to go watch. Uh, so that ended up going to 21 so that's just all the math adds up for the most part so there you go all right so movies i missed this year so if you're wondering why isn't this movie on the list and any any list whatsoever um these are the movies that i missed that i wanted to watch that maybe would have ended up somewhere on the list and there's a bunch of movies obviously that i probably missed or that i have missed uh i know just looking at it the souvenir is one uh that i missed uh, that i forgot to put up on here on my movies that i missed this year so there's that uh the gangster the cop and the devil that's uh that was a south korean movie that i was really interested in watching them that follow tigers are not afraid loose hustlers honey boy marriage story the report the king the two popes uncut gems which i actually just saw a couple days ago which i really enjoyed uh 1917 it's in that weird area because 1917 only played in one theater in my area here in the chicagoland area and uh it, it was only playing like it wasn't playing like in an adobe or imax which i got snobbishly only wanted to watch in that so I, I put it up here and portrait of the lady on fire uh so those are the movies that i miss so in case you're wondering you know why some of these movies uh, aren't on there it's because of that especially marriage story because i know marriage story is being all over the place and it seems like a movie that i would really enjoy uh even though i hear it's not the easiest movie to watch. Uh, so there you go. Alright, so the movies that just missed the list for me, and this, by the way, just missed the list, this is usually referring to the favorite movies, but I'm just going to throw these out here right away. Uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Bodied, which is one of those weird ones that I think came out like in the film festival circuit like two years ago, but only got like a wide release in like the VOD format this year, or last year, I should say. Uh, so that's one of those weird ones. Uh, Cold War, Doctor Sleep, It Chapter 2, Klaus, which I really, really enjoyed, but I saw it so late in the year that I just couldn't throw it in anywhere in my favorite lists. Uh, the Lego Movie 2, the second part, The Wandering Earth, uh, Triple Threat, and Yesterday. Those are the movies that just missed the list of honorable mentions and favorite movies of the year. Uh, so let's move on to my undecided movies of the year. Uh, this is a new category that I created last year. These are the movies that I enjoyed, I really liked, but in my heart of hearts, I didn't know if I wanted to put them in my honorable mentions list or if I wanted to put them in my favorites list. They kind of in this they're in this weird limbo that I don't know where to put them. Uh, so I'm just gonna read them off and then kind of give my explanation to. a some of them uh so and by the way all these movies aren't uh gonna be at least close or if not at all alphabetical order because i used to do top 10 lists i used to do top 15 top 20 lists i can't do that anymore because i like movies so much and i know it's my list and and if you listen to this podcast last year where i did it with um did i do this last year i did do this last year i did it last year with uh with a friend of mine my lists always tend to be big because i do tend to enjoy a lot more movies than a lot of other people and 
I watch a lot more movies than probably uh, an average amount of people also do. So my list tends tends to be very big. So I just want to point that out there and make that overly apparent that that's, that that's why. Uh, so let's start off. Uh, the Undecided Movies of the Year, uh, Ad Astra, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Scary Stories to Tell in Dark, The Lighthouse, and The Irishman. Those are my undecided movies of the year. I don't know where to put them. Ad Astra, I really liked Ad Astra. I think one of the challenges that Ad Astra faced marketing-wise was the trailers and the TV spots, because even the TV spot that I saw recently for the movie coming out, uh, because it's coming out like in Blu-ray or digital, or it already came out, they're treating it like a a sci-fi space action thriller, and it isn't. And the thing is that the director of the movie, James Gray, who also directed The Lost City of Z, he isn't that kind of director. He doesn't make sci-fi space action thrillers. He doesn't make action movies in general. His movies may have some thriller aspects to it, but they're not action movies. They're more character pieces, and that's what Ad Astra was. At the end of the day, that's what it was. And I think that's it's one of the more quieter films of, of the year, uh, but it's also very effective, and most of that has to do with Brad Pitt. I kind of didn't like the fact that they had these big names and for these supporting roles like uh ruth nega's in there natasha leone's in there who only has like one line of dialogue tommy lee jones is in there i mean he does play a part at the end of the movie but still they kind of just kind of waste him a little bit and this is a brad pitt movie uh liv tyler's also in there as well um but they kind of just waste him a little bit this is a brad pitt movie this is a, this this movie uh rises and falls with brad pitt because he carries it on his shoulders and he carries it well he carries it very, very well. Uh, Joker, obviously, arguably one of the most talked about movies of the year. For the good, for the bad, for all the articles and op-eds that it sparked. Regardless of that, uh, Harley, uh, I almost said Harley Quinn. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix did deliver a rather haunting performance as Arthur Fleck. But there was just something... And again, this just goes to the, all the op-eds and stuff like that. There's just something about the, the film's theme and messages... That kind of gets lost in the delivery. And everyone's like, you know, everyone has their opinions on, you know, it's it's a rich versus the poor movie. It's a movie about, you know, what happens if you fail people with mental health. But it's also taking someone with mental health and making them into this character of the Joker, which is probably not the best thing to do. Uh, but, you know, it's just got a bunch of other stuff. And again, it's just one of those movies where wherever wherever you put it, it's going to spark a debate. And for me, I just, if there was ever any movie to put on my new category of undecided movies of the year, Joker is, is that movie. It is, it, that is going to be the cornerstone. That is going to be the building block of what this new list is. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, again, waves, uh, made waves when it came out for the good, the bad, the unknown for, you know, what it was trying to say, what it was trying to do. Whether you disliked the movie, whether you thought the movie was bad, I'm kind of indifferent to it. It there was really good parts of the movie. I think Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio's chemistry is great. Uh, they were great together. Uh, I think you know they kind of stole the show. Julia Butters, who steals the show as the young actress that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's Rick Dalton befriends. It's just it's one of those movies that, like Joker, very different in in terms and. 
uh, in terms of, you know, tone and story and everything, sort of, a little bit, you could probably make a, you know, the English major in me is like, you know, I can compare these two movies and compare the two characters, you know, how society has, you know, throw them out to the wayside or is about to throw them out to the wayside, but again, that's just the English major to me, although it doesn't sound like I'm an English major at times, um, but that's just the English major to me, uh, any English majors out there listening to this, they can go ahead and use that if you want. That's 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 a free one. That's a freebie for you guys, but um, I don't know. I just I I did like it. I enjoyed it. It's just it, there was just something about it that I don't know where to put it. Uh, Scary stories to tell in the dark. Of course, based on the popular book series, it was directed. Everyone behind the camera, I loved Guillermo del Toro, who produced it. Uh, he had worked on it for a long time before he had to pass on it. Uh, Andre Overdahl, who ended up directing the movie, who directed. Th- the autopsy of Jane Doe, which I really loved. Uh, everything was great. The movie was fine. I just think that it lacked a certain punch to things. Um, again, considering everyone behind the camera and considering the source material that what you had, it just, I don't know, it just kind of, it felt kind of weird. It was one of those weird movies where it's like, I really liked it, but it's one of those movies where I really liked it, but that was it. It's, it has this very baseline kind of levity to it. Uh, the Lighthouse... If you saw it, you if I, the Joker is one of the cornerstones. If, if we're building a house, let's say if we're building a house, Joker's one, you know, piece of it, and the lighthouse is the other. It's on the other side. It's holding the house together. Um, it's it, I don't know what I thought about the lighthouse. I think Robert Eggers, who ended up directing the movie. Robert Eggers? Yeah. You know, he directed The Witch a couple years ago, which I loved, and now he directed this. Robert Pattinson and William Dafoe are great in it. I think I prefer Dafoe over Pattinson in this case. I just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's one of those movies where I was just watching it. I, I watched it in a packed theater in the middle of the week of all places. I, I think it was like a Thursday or a Wednesday or something, and it, we were sitting there, and it was packed, and no one said anything, no one put out their phones or anything, everyone was just so entranced by it, and uh, at the end of it, I walked out, and I just, I looked at my brother, and my brother and I had the same expression on our face, like, what, what, what the fuck did we just watch, um, so, I still don't know how I feel about this movie, I probably had to watch it again, to be honest with you, so there's that, and then finally, of course, The Irishman, um, pulling up that other it's a house so it's four corners so the four corners of this house that I'm building of undecided movies is built by the last four movies that I just set Joker Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, Lighthouse and Irishman that's holding it together and then you know Ad Astra and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark are are living inside Uh, so The Irishman uh, Martin Scorsese's latest film despite how you feel whether it's too long whether you liked it whether you didn't like it whether you thought it was meandering whether you thought that it was perfect it was the it was the best goodbye that Martin Scorsese can say to gangster movies uh, you had Robert De Niro Al Pacino uh, Joe Pesci back in there who not playing the typical the typical Joe Pesci character which I thought was really great uh, and then you have characters who are just in there who are completely forgotten uh, Jesse Plemons Ann Paquin, who's in the movie, who I looked at and I was like, is that Ann Paquin? And then I realized, like, half hour later that, yes, it was Ann Paquin because she shows up again and she doesn't say anything. What was the point of having her in there? Um, but there you go. Uh, I just, I liked it. I paused this movie twice. Uh, me and my brother watched it. We paused it twice. And the first time we paused it, it was like, okay, there was still, like, an hour and a half uh, of movie left and we paused it a second time and there was still a half hour movie left so i just is it it's fine it's it's a fine movie i liked it i thought it was great 
Uh, I think seeing all these people together again for the first, uh, for maybe potentially the last time and the first time in a long time is great. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to put it. So there you go. Uh, so those are my undecided movies of the year. So these are my frustrating movies of the year. Uh, so I forgot to mention this at the beginning. My frustrating movies of the year. These are the movies where I was like, these are really good. I can see these putting, I can see putting these in my honorable mentions list, maybe my favorite movies of the year list. Uh, but then there was just, just one thing or a couple things that they did that's just like, why, 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 why did you do that? Why did you have to ruin a good experience? This is why we can't have nice things. Uh, so the first one is Escape Room. Uh, now I have Glass in there as well, and The Kitchen. So those are my three frustrating movies of the year. Uh, starting off with The Kitchen, it was based off a comic book series that I, I didn't know anything about. Uh, you had uh, Melissa McCarthy, Elizabeth Moss, and Tiffany Haddish. Weird combo, not a comedy, obviously with uh, McCarthy and, and Haddish in there. It's a pure drama uh, following the wives of New York gangsters in Hell's Kitchen in the 70s, who, once they go away, they come in and they basically take over the business. You have those three leading ladies, always reliable, no matter what you put them in. In you know, McCarthy's doing a lot more drama stuff, so you know she can handle it. Moss is always great. She's always reliable in whatever you put it in. Tadish, you know, I know there's some, you know, people who don't really like her or people that, you know, want to see her do more. This was, this was, this was her chance. This, this was a chance to have all these three ladies doing it. And the three ladies do their best at what they are given to do. And it is their show completely. But what bothers me is that you have some big names in there. You have Domon Gleason in there. You have James Bad James Badgedale, Bill Camp, Common, Martin Rob, uh, Martin, uh, Margot Martindale in the movie. But they don't really do anything too much. Some of them are just kind of there. Some of them are wasted, quite honestly. But the thing that really bothered me about the, the the kitchen is the tonal whiplash at times. The editing is completely off at times. It's a bit anticlimactic at one point, and its ending is really undeserved because it just comes off. It just comes out of left field. There's no real development. Like, it kind of happens at the beginning of the movie, and then, like, you watch it, and it's just like, uh, I guess I can see where that was going. Why? Why did you go that way? What? What? Why? Why'd you do that? Um, so, I don't know. I just I, I just didn't really like it too much. And I think the, the what happens with Tiffany Haddish's character and, and Common's character, um, it just... Uh, Okay, this, this is why it's frustrating me. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, let's talk about glass. Uh, of course, after we this was this was this was supposed to be the big movie, and it came out very early in the year. And this was the movie that was on a lot of people's anticipated movies of the year list, and I can see why. It is a sequel to Split, which was surprisingly a sequel uh, a sequel to Unbreakable, uh, arguably two of M Night Shyamalan's best movies. And Glass was supposed to be this final trilogy. It was supposed to be this final big thing. The build up to all of it. And it was just okay. It wasn't a bad movie. It just... it The way... Obviously everyone talks about the way it ends. It's funny. Looking back at it now. It's one of those movies where it's like... It, it's, it's a quote unquote superhero movie. But it does the exact opposite of what a superhero movie uh, usually does. And in some respect, I can respect Shyamalan's trying to, you know, revert to going down that that route of a superhero movie. 
and it's just it it hangs this thing uh, above you. It's like it's oh, there's gonna be this massive showdown between David Dunn, uh, Bruce Willis's David Dunn, and uh, James McAvoy's The Beast with Samuel L. Jackson's Mr. Glass kind of in uh, the mastermind behind it, kind of in the middle of it all, and then it doesn't happen, and you have Sarah Paulson's uh, Doctor character, Ellie Staple, Doctor Ellie Staple in there, who ends up being a part of something that was never teased, was never really bought up, was just bought up at the last kind of minute. It kind of seemed like it was a last minute twist uh, on top of another last minute twist that happened where you're just like, you're going to end this, you're going to end the movie like this? It wasn't the real ending because there was, you know, like five minutes left afterwards, but that that's, that's the thing you want to do for all these characters? After everything that you've done, that's what you decide to do with these characters. I don't know. It just, it, it, it's again frustrating. Even talking about it now, it's still frustrating. And then finally, uh, I have Escape Room on here. Escape Room could have easily been one of those movies that everyone forgot about. That everyone probably went. It, and it was also, I think, it was the first wide release of the year of 2019. So there's that. Uh, so it kind of had that going against it, but. It was one of those movies, and by the way, Escape Room follows a group of strangers who are invited mysteriously to take part of an immersive escape room experience, where the winner gets a cash prize. Even though, for some, this is really this is, this isn't part that frustrated me. I just thought it was really dumb edit that they that they did in the trailers. It dubs it to a larger amount than in the movie because in the movie it's like, really, that's all you're getting? Just why don't you just keep the the the, the amount of money that trailers give you but of course things aren't as they appear in the escape rooms and again i wasn't really looking forward to escape room it could have easily been one of those movies that you know whatever it's you want to go watch it all right fine uh i was impressed by escape room i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought the cast was solid i think i was just i was ready to eat my words i was about to come out and be like escape room is i know it's the beginning of the year but it is one of them it's one of those movies that surprised me uh, and it would have easily surprised me at the end of the year. This could have easily gone in my honorable mentions, maybe even my my favorites of the year. And then the ending happened. It lost every bit of steam it had built up with a terrible ending that really all it was supposed, all it did was set up a sequel, which is happening, which is coming out later this year, by the way. And yes, other movies you know, set up sequels, and, you know, when you realize that maybe this could happen, and horror movies are, you know, the prime example of building something up so you can make a sequel to it. But it's so dumb how, the, how they set it up here. If if you watch it, if you do end up watching it, I honestly would recommend stop watching it. Just turn it off before, like, five or ten minutes before the credits roll. I think you'll know exactly when, if you watch it, you'll know exactly when you're supposed to stop watching it. That would have been perfect. You could have made another one, and it would have been fine. You could have you could have bought all that five you know five to ten minutes last minutes of escape room. You could have put it in the second one, and you wouldn't have lost anything, honestly. But that's just oh man, it was so disappointing. What it was so disappointing walking out of that movie theater and be like, this is so good. But I'm not gonna discredit the whole movie because I again I really really enjoyed it, and the cast was really solid, and I just I just really liked. It. So yeah, there's there's that. Okay. Uh, let's move on to our disappointments slash least liked movies of the year. We're going to do some dishonorable mentions first. 
so dishonorable mentions won't get into into them too much because obviously they're just dishonorable mentions uh the dead don't die that was one that was kind of like i don't really know how i feel about that uh anna the new child's play movie miss bala and polaroid so there's a dishonorable mentions of the year uh your disappointments at least like my disappointments at least i keep saying yours it's not yours. You could have easily liked these movies. Uh, this is my disappointments. Uh, disappointments at least like movies of the year. Uh, Black Christmas, Close, Dark Phoenix, and Replicas. Uh, Replicas is, of course, the Keanu Reeves movie um, where he plays a scientist where his, family, where his family dies and then he ends up cloning his family back. And, of course, he has to face the repercussions of that. It, it was okay. It's kind of boring at times, to be honest. It really, it really, it's kind of boring at times, and then kind of the ending is a little wonky again. It's just like, this was a year, this was a weird year, this was a weird year for endings. Because it's, it's these endings that just kind of come out of the blue, and you're just like, what are you doing? What are we doing here? Why are you doing this? Uh, so there's that. Close was a movie that came out on Netflix earlier this year. Uh, it, I, I felt like it was trying to be uh, a potential answer to like the Bourne franchise or something like that. Uh, Naomi Rapace stars in the movie, and she does deserve her own franchise, and this was obviously not, probably something that, uh, was good trying to be it, but it wasn't. So the movie follows Rapace's, uh, Sam, she plays a bodyguard, uh, for hire, and she gets hired to protect, uh, Sarah, played by Olivia Jusen, uh, the, the daughter of a business tycoon who had just died, and put in the crosshairs of a corporate, uh, espionage. And the quote-unquote action thriller has very little action. There's probably like maybe like two big action sequences in the movie and it just the movie just trudges along to its finale that really has no build up whatsoever. It's kind of lazy. It's kind of a lazy ending. Uh so there is that. Uh of course Black Christmas that came out this is the second remake to the uh uh classic horror film and it does put a little modern twist to it. It follows a group of sorority sisters who are being hunted down by a mysterious group of their at their college campus. And I appreciated what the movie was trying to do. Uh, it was trying to do its own thing. It bought in a lot more um, more modern uh, stuff. I, the word just escaped me that I was trying to use, it, so I used stuff. Uh, but just, it brought in a more modern twist to it. It's kind of, you know, had the Me Too stuff in there. Uh, it it had, um, you know, what kind of happens when someone gets sexually assaulted uh, on a college campus of all places, and kind of what the, you know, what you know what team you're kind of going for. Is it the he said, she said kind of stuff? Um, so I appreciated that there was trying to do something different. But there is a weird twist to the movie that kind of comes out of the blue a little bit. But the whole movie, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, it tells you what the twist is. Somewhat. Not all the way, but somewhat. And then you forget about it, because there's just, there's literally, nothing really happens in this movie. That's the other thing. Nothing really happens in this movie until the final act of the movie, where it becomes a Black Christmas movie that it was kind of... Uh, trying to make you think it was going to be about these women fighting back. They don't really fight back into the final act in the movie, and even when it does happen, it's like at that point you're kind of checked out. At least I was, and I kind of fumbled a little bit of what I was really trying to do. But that's Black Christmas, so whatever. Dark Phoenix. You talk about whiffing it, not just once, twice. They have had Fox has had two times to do the famous Dark Phoenix story arc in movies, and arguably. It, it, it arguably the best, probably one of the best X Men arcs in history, um, if I do say so myself. At least 
before all the new stuff is coming out. I hear all the new stuff's really great, so I haven't read any of it yet, but I take everyone's word for it. Um, but they whiffed it twice. And unfortunately, Dark Phoenix just suffers from having some bad writing to it. The movie did have some problems behind the scenes um, that and some last-minute reshoots that became very public. And we also knew that a lot of these people, you know, their contracts are coming up. Obviously, the whole thing with Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, we knew that she, she hated being the Mystique. She hated doing the makeup for Mystique and everything. So uh, they killed her off, and we kind of already knew she was going to get killed off. And then, of course, James McAvoy and Mike Fassbender came back. And you can clearly see they did not want to be there at all at this movie. And it, it, I've never seen anyone be so disinterested being in a movie, besides Bruce Willis, who, you know, has been phoning in for years. But to have people like James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender even look like they don't want to be there, that says a lot. That says a lot. Uh, I, the biggest complaint I have about Dark Phoenix is just, it, it's kind of bland. Uh, the action is a tad uninspired, and while the final train sequence I think is really cool, and I think it's probably the best kind of action it's probably the most x-men it can be you know that we there's like these these new mutants that we met like 30 seconds ago and they're teaming up and it just it, they're like okay yeah we'll team up with you sure and then oh that, that, there you go okay fine so there you go okay let's uh all right i want to do my surprises of the year and my first so my surprises of the year uh i have aladdin on this list uh disney's live action remakes are happening just get over it forget it it's happening uh i wasn't the biggest fan of Aladdin, uh, I didn't have the immediate connection to Aladdin like a lot of other people do, um, besides of course Robin Williams' genie character, but that's pretty much about it, I didn't really have a connection to Aladdin at all, and I wasn't really looking forward to Aladdin too much, but then I watched this and I was like, man, this is a lot more entertaining than I thought it would be, uh, I really liked the the chemistry between uh, Mena Masad, I think that's how you pronounce the last name, who played Aladdin and Naomi Scott as Jasmine, I thought they were great, um, Despite how you feel about Will Smith being being a genie, I thought you know he will Smith it up, which is what we want when we see Will Smith, uh, especially as a genie. Uh, so I mean, it was fine. It was a great family movie, and you can't go wrong with that. My um, next surprise of the list is Blinded by the Light, uh, which I didn't think I would end up going watching. Uh, I'm not the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan out there, um, so. I just, I don't know what it was, but the great thing about this movie is that even if you're not a, a Springsteen fan, you didn't need to be, and this movie was great, it's it's a great coming of age story, it's, you can connect to it, I connected to it, which I never thought I would, um, I think I connected more to the character, not necessarily the fact that he was a Bruce Springsteen fan, just the character himself, uh, so it was great, I really liked it, it was one of my, my great surprises of the year was that, uh, Crawl, now, admittedly i was not on board with crawl and if you listen to the summer movie season preview podcast that i did that i actually did with mike me and him were shitting on it a lot we didn't think this movie was going to be good um i ended up going to watch it and i really liked it it i thought it would be like this cheesy forgettable movie and it's a damn good solid thriller and it's it only has two people in it. And it has Barry Pepper, who plays the father, and uh, Kaya. I always mispronounce her last name. Scordelario, I think it's like maybe pronounced. I don't know. I, I always mispronounce her last name. But the whole movie's on her shoulders, and she holds it there perfectly, solid. It is a solid movie. It's a solid thriller. Uh, I have nothing but really great things to say about Crawl. It's just one of my surprises of the year for for sure. So if you get a chance to watch it, I highly recommend you watch it. Uh, El, Chica- El Chicano, 
Uh, El Chicano is most likely going to be one of those movies that only a handful of people saw, and probably a movie that you didn't even know came out. Uh, so uh, it's produced by Joe Carnahan, the director of um, The Gray and The Eight Team, a bunch of other movies that I can't narc, Smoking Aces. So, uh, so he produced it, uh, and it followed a LA, LAPD detective, uh, who was assigned a career making case that finds that he has a connection, uh, that has a connection to his brother's supposed suicide and a turf war between two rival gangs that promises a citywide chaos. It's a street level superhero movie and it's a gritty, solid indie action movie that is about family it's about culture uh surprisingly and it it was i liked it it was really good i wasn't i didn't know what to expect from it uh it it played in my local theater thankfully although it's it's we're in a big you know hispanic neighborhood so obviously this is going to play but i went to go watch it and it was great Uh, i really enjoyed myself It, it, it does have some problems in there it kind of uh wavers every now and it kind of trudges along every now and then but i thought it was i thought for being a technically an indie action thriller superhero movie a street level one at that i thought it did a tremendous job uh my last surprise of the year which i know everyone's gonna be like everyone's probably gonna turn off the podcast at this point or just be like what are you doing six underground this is the closest thing i think we'll ever get to knowing how the mind of michael bay really works without the worry of a pg-13 rating without the worry of damaging a franchise transformers without the worry of you know anyone being like oh well why why would they put that on the big screen like why why would you waste this much money six underground is a it's a mess don't get me wrong it is a mess of a movie the editing is choppy at times the characters aren't all that great but God damn, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. I really did. It is, I watched it and I was entertained from beginning to end. It does have a very big part in the middle where it slows down a lot. But I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I thought it was a hell of a lot of fun. It is an entertaining movie. Put it that way. It is an entertaining movie. One of the most entertaining movies you'll probably see this year. Because it is so messy. Because it is so balls to the wall out there. That's why it's on here. Because, just, yeah, that, that's the only reason why it's on here. Uh, so my honorable mentions of the year, the first one is Alito Battle Angel. I, like a lot, and I mean a lot of people, had things to say about Alito Battle Angel before it came out. And the reaction after the movie came out uh, was even more. Because it, I was rather, I thought it was a rather ambitious approach and take on the manga adaptation. I've never read the manga adaptation, but from all the people that I've that I know that I've read it and watched the movie, they're like, you know, this this is interesting the way they they put it together. Uh it may not have totally worked. Uh James Cameron, who produced the movie, this is a passion project of his, by the way, for a long time too. He was supposed to direct this before he passed on the director chair to Robert Rodriguez. While the movie loses some steam by then, I thought it was a rather entertaining throughout. I think it's 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 a little clunky, but I really there was something about Alito Battle Angel that I really ended up liking. So 
Uh, I like it. I know there's, there was that big campaign earlier, uh, late last year, to get a sequel made for Alita Battle Angel. I don't know if that's going to happen, but there, there is that. Uh, the next honorable mention is Apollo 11. This is a documentary about the Apollo 11 mission. Uh, very, very good. I saw it on IMAX. It was, it was loud, but it, it was, it was so enthralling, and it was honestly one of my favorite experiences, uh, movie going experiences this year. I know it's really weird to say that it's a documentary. And I know people, I know everyone that loves documentaries is like, hey, what are you talking about, man? But I usually don't end up watching a lot of documentaries, um, so especially in theaters. So, and I saw this in theaters, and I was just, it, it's one of my favorite experiences in theaters of 2019. It really was. Uh, so the next honorable mention is Hobbs and Shaw. It's Dwayne Johnson. It's Jason Statham. Idris Elba together on screen in a fa- in the Fast and the Furious universe in, in that world, so it's dumb fun. It's a dumb fun action movie that I thoroughly loved, so uh, why not? F- screw it. Put it in there. Um, so my next honorable mention is Fighting With My Family, it is based off the life of former WWE superstar Paige, and it's also based on a documentary of the same name. Uh, this was one of the uh, early movies, uh, one of the early movies of the year that uh, Florence Pugh starred in, uh, so, uh, obviously she's, she, she's going to be a superstar. She is someone you should really care about. She's going to be in Black Widow this year. Uh, of course she was in Little Women early this, uh, late last year. And of course, Midsommar, but she was, the first thing we saw her in this year was this. And I really like this movie. I, I don't know if maybe you guys have known, but, uh, I'm a huge wrestling fan. So I know about Paige's uh, career and everything she's done. There's a lot of stuff that they kind of take out uh, and kind of just or glance over or not even talk about it at all. But you know, there's the, okay, whatever, fine. But uh, I really liked it. I thought it was great. I had a fun time enjoying it. There were two people that were sitting next to me that clearly didn't know anything about Paige's life. I think they just went to go watch it because they were interested in it and they were cheering throughout the end. So I was like, that's really cool. You don't really get that experience from, from people. So and it was a wrestling movie. It's a movie about wrestling and people went to go watch it and loved it. So awesome. On uh, the next honorable mention is Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, one of the great things about Ford versus Ferrari is that you don't have to be a gearhead to really love or like this movie. It is a movie about Carol Shelby played by Matt Damon and Ken Miles played by Christian Bale, uh, trying to beat the odds. Uh, against Ferrari at Le Mans, and also against uh, Ford, who put every obstacle in front of them to, uh, even though they wanted to win, put every obstacle in front of them because they didn't believe in them, and that's that's great. Uh, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, it's a John Wick movie, it continues to world build and uh, just give us more Keanu Reeves shooting people in the head uh, although he did a lot more than that in this one which i really loved so there's that uh jojo rabbit is the other honorable mention this uh this year uh taika watiti and his anti-hate satire uh following jojo uh played by roman griffin davis as a young boy in hitler germany uh nazi germany i should say and and he finds out that his mother played by scarlett johansson is hiding a jewish girl played by uh thomas and mckenzie at their home it's and of course, he sees Adolf Hitler as his imaginary flame, by, by, played by Watiti himself. It's great. Uh, Watiti's humor may not be for everyone, uh, and of course, everyone had a really big problem with the fact that you know Jojo Rabbit was promoting, uh, you know, this. Uh, it was it was weird. Let's just say it was weird. It was a weird time to be around. And of course, there was that report that Fox and Disney were a little worried about how Jojo Rabbit would be perceived by the public. And a lot of people were worried that maybe the movie would get edited down or something like that. Thankfully, it wasn't. Or at least, it looked like it wasn't. 
and we got it. And we got this very weird coming-of-age movie that just happened to be surrounded by Nazis. So it was was great. Uh, It was definitely an experience to watch, to say the least. Uh, Little Women is the next movie on my honorable mentions list. I'm going to admit something that I probably shouldn't, especially being an English major. I have never read Little Women all the way through. Uh, I have only read parts of it. I have never read the whole thing. Uh, so hopefully no one comes from my English degree. Because uh, I need that. Um, no, I'm not really. But no, I do. I actually, I actually do need that. But uh, anyway, uh, that said, I was looking forward to the movie. Uh, mainly because of the cast and Gerda Gerwig, who was writing and directing the movie. Obviously, she had just done Lady Bird, which was very, very good. Uh, it didn't really matter if you read the book, because the cast is chemistry. Uh, you have uh, uh, Florence Pugh is in there, uh, Sasha Ronan, um, Elisa Scallon, I think that's how... Yeah, that's her name, Elisa Scannon, and of course, Emma Watson in there. Um, the, all, the chemistry between... Anytime all four of them were on screen together and were acting like sisters, it was fun. You wanted to be there. You wanted to hang out with them. It was great. So I really loved. I really liked the Little Women. I really did. I really loved it. Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, Queen and Slim is my next honorable mention. This is a movie that I didn't think I, I was going to go watch at first. Uh, I think it was going to be one. I thought it was going to be one of those movies that came out in theaters for like a week and then it was gone. Uh, but it wasn't, thankfully, and at least maybe not here in my area. But it, it's one of those movies. It's a simple premise. It's a date. It's a date night gone wrong and what happens when you add in racial themes and tone and things that are happening in the real world that mirror this and it's you know the bonnie and clyde comparison to this as well it's easily one of the best films of the year Uh, if i still made those quote-unquote best films of the year list that i do it's you know i switched over to favorite movies of the year because I just thought that was better for me. This would have easily been, and still is, I think, in my heart, one of the best movies of the year. Queen and Slim. Uh, the next one, uh, our next honorable mention is Richard Jewell, uh, which, of course, is based off uh, the real-life happenings, and Clint Eastwood's usually very hit and miss as a director. Uh, recently, has been a lot of miss and or missteps, but Richard Jewell does put him back in the hit category. Uh, I thought the movie thoroughly was on the shoulders of Paul Walter Hauser as, as Jewell, and I thought he did a tremendous job. Uh, the movie, I can't really see anyone playing Jewel, uh, or couldn't see anyone playing Jewel other than Paul Walter Hauser after seeing his performance. There was rumors that Jonah Hill, or not rumors, there was actual reports that Jonah Hill was going to play Richard Jewel. And I don't see, I don't know what Jonah Hill would have bought to that role, but what Paul, what, what Paul Walter Hauser did in that was amazing. So. Uh, my honor, honor, my uh, my other honorable mention. Why is it so hard to say? I've been talking for too long. Uh, Shazam. Uh, I was not on board the Shaz- the Shazam train whatsoever, but damn, that I really enjoy watching Shazam. It was just it it was something that I I didn't think you know would would come together, and it did before my eyes. So it was really fun. Uh, next honorable mention: Spider Man: Far From Home. The Mysterio sequence alone was really worth the price of admission. But uh, I really like what Tom Holland's doing. There was that scare that he wasn't going to be... The, you know, the whole scare in the middle of the summer that, you know, Spider-Man was longer, no longer going to be in the MCU. Which is going to be really weird after that ending, but thankfully they, they work stuff out. So there's that. The next honorable mention, uh, the, Peter Butter, the Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh, this was a nice coming-of-age tale that follows Zack, played by Zack Goddardson. Uh, a young man with Down syndrome, and the actor himself also has Down syndrome, uh, who runs away from his care home to make his dreams come true to being a professional wrestler. Uh, he 
On his adventures, he runs into Taylor, played by Shia LaBeouf, who is running away from his own troubles, and later convinces Eleanor, played by Dakota Johnson, who was Zach's social worker, to join them. It is a nice, it's like I mentioned, it's a nice, it's a great coming of age story. It's a nice road trip movie as well. Uh, everyone puts in amazing performances, especially Gonson, um, who honestly steals the show, and he's great. And uh, it's one of those movies that uh, I don't think got a lot of love. Uh, there are some problems with it, but I think it's overall. I think it's a. I think it's a great movie. Okay, uh, the next honorable mention is the standoff at Sparrow Creek. This is one I didn't really know anything about until it came out. It follows an ex-cop turned militia man, uh, played by the very underrated James Badgedale, who is placed in charge to investigate the shooting of a cop's funeral that leads to someone in his own militia. Uh, the film is extremely tense. It, it, from start to finish, with everyone in the cast, it's mostly a bunch of unknowns or people that you probably don't recognize. Um, James Madgell, I think, probably being the most recognizable uh, of the whole cast in there. But it's Dale's show; it's his show, regardless of what's going on. He talks to everyone. He has scenes with everyone in the movie. Uh, the only other person that I want to point out is Happy Anderson, who plays Morrison or Morris, I should say, uh, just Morris. It's a long, drawn-out scene between the two very early in the movie, but it, it sets the tone for the rest of the film, and it's definitely one you should check out. The standoff at Sparrow Creek, you will not be disappointed. Especially if you just if you love just those character uh, movies. And this is definitely one of those character movies. Uh, the last uh, honorable mention that I want to talk about is uh, Toy Story 4. Uh, crash, cash grab or not. Um, although, once you watched it, it didn't really feel like a cash grab. Uh, it talked to the heartstrings. Um, it's... Honestly, the only way that Disney and Pixar uh, know how to do nowadays. They just tug at the heartstrings, whatever they want to do. So there's that. Uh, other notable movies that could have gone on the honorable mentions list but didn't. Uh, Notre Dame, which was a movie that I saw at the Chicago International Film Festival. Happy Day to You, Brittany Runs Marathon, La, Yo- La Llorona, which that should be easier to say for me. But it is not The Curse of La Llorona, which came out earlier this year. This was a movie... Uh, that I saw at the film festival as well. Um, that was very good. Uh, Pain and Glory, uh, Little Monsters, and One Take of the Dead, uh, which was one of those weird movies that I think maybe came out this year, but I think it was released last uh, two years ago, but came out this year, streaming service-wise, so there's that. Okay, let's move on to the big list. Best slash favorite movies of the year. The first one, again, everything's in alphabetical order, so don't hate me and just because i'm gonna say this movie first be like oh you're just a marvel fan yeah the checks are coming in but they're not as much as they used to they used to be uh avengers endgame uh look i've been invested in the marvel cinematic universe for some time like many others it started with iron man and all culminated to endgame i i loved it man i i i don't know what to say we grew up with these characters we love these characters we watch these characters it's it's one of those movies that's just i'm gonna admit first time i saw it being a nerd seeing all these characters together for the first time the portal scene i just it's just yeah man it's just i love it man i teared up i'm not gonna lie i teared up i don't care um every nerd teared up when they saw that coming come on at any time i think i forgot who it was i was just listening to a podcast too i think it was the fake nerd podcast it was the fake nerd podcast listening to them one of them said that every time the portal scene comes up on twitter they stop everything they're doing and watching it I do the same thing because it's just—it's one of those great scenes. So, Avengers Endgame. Avengers! Assemble. Uh, the next favorite movie of the year is Booksmart. 
is the directorial debut of Olivia Wilde. It followed uh, two top academic students and best friends, played by Caitlin Deaver and Bernie uh, Feldstein, which everyone on Twitter apparently during the Golden Globes uh, realized that Bernie Feldstein and Jonah Hill were siblings. And I mean, come on, guys, it's Google. It's called Google. Um, but they play two students and best friends on the eve of their graduation, realize that they have been doing nothing but studying, and everyone realizes, everyone kind of calls them losers, but all the people who they thought were losers also got into the good schools like they did, so they just want to take one wild night of partying. It's a basic premise, and everyone kind of says it's like the super bad uh, of for for girls instead of guys, but... It is hands down one of the best movies of the year. It's one of the best comedies of the year. The The chemistry between Deaver and Feldstein is great. Uh, it's just funny throughout. I really liked it. Billy Lord is probably the highlight of the movie. She stands out. At least a standout for for, for sure. So I really liked Booksmart. I thought it was really great. I think it's a nice coming of age movie um, as well. Uh, and I know there was that whole debate. Uh, it probably wasn't debate. It was probably more like a controversy uh, over how some airlines were editing out a lot of stuff from Booksmart on the plane. Uh, so there was that. Also, if you want to go look that up and see what the whole, everything was about, there's, there's that. Um, my next favorite movie of the year is Detective Pikachu. I don't care what anyone says, especially me, because if you're in my age range, or at least around my age, I'm 28 by the way, uh, you grew up with Pokemon. Or at least you know someone that grew up with Pokemon. And you may or may not have loved it. Uh, I loved it. I was hesitant. And I will admit this right away. And if you go back to the podcast and listen to anything related to, to Detective Pikachu. I was very hesitant about the CGI live action movie uh, for Pokemon. Because I was afraid of how the CGI Pokemon would look. But then uh, the trailers came out and then we saw the movie. And it was damn impressive. Those Pokemon look freaking phenomenal. Uh, and I ate my words and and i loved it uh i really enjoyed it it took me back to my childhood watching all this pokemon on the big screen again this was a movie that would have blown my goddamn mind if i was a kid watching it so uh yeah uh i'm definitely gonna add that to my list so yeah next movie is dolomite is my name uh eddie murphy plays real life uh comic rudy ray moore and uh and what it took to play uh, Moore's iconic and classic black exploitation film uh, and character Dolomite. Uh, the whole cast is fantastic. Murphy is back in the fine form, and uh, he he's towing the line between funny and dramatic, and he does it so well uh, in the movie. And I cannot wait to see what Eddie Murphy does coming back. I hope he does. Hopefully, he does more than just you know these kind of movies hopefully he does more uh, more comedy movies i should say hopefully he does more dramatic stuff because the dramatic stuff he, he does in dolomite is my name is pitch perfect it's great uh so go watch it uh knives out we talked about knives out earlier of course it's getting a sequel it is a whodunit played uh directed by ryan johnson uh it's entertaining from start to finish it's probably one of the most entertaining films that i that i had uh watched this year uh from the cast, from everyone from Daniel Craig to Anna de Armas to Michael Shannon, uh, Don Johnson, everyone in there, uh, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis, everyone in there is great. Chris Evans, of course, uh, as well. So, Knives Out, if you haven't seen it yet, and if you get a chance to watch it, I'm still playing. I don't know if it's still playing in theaters, but if it is, do yourself a favor, go watch it. Uh, Midsommar is my next favorite movie of the year. It's the second feature by Hereditary director Ari Aster. It's an even bigger and longer slow burn of a movie than Hereditary was. It's both disturbing and beautiful to look at. Florence Pugh is great. Uh, Jake Raynor is also in the movie. He he's, plays uh, he plays the jerk boyfriend very, very well. Uh, the less you know about the movie, the better. It is a slow burn of a movie. And 
it doesn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And it's one of those movies that where if you just, if you stop watching halfway through, or if you just, if it's, it's not going to be for everyone. I'm just trying to put that out there, but it's, it is one of those movies that's a slow burn. So if you know it's a slow burn going in, then great. If you know how brutal it is, good, because that will prepare you for what's going to come later on. Uh, The next movie on the list is Parasite. Less you know about the better, but the bong hive is alive and well in this house. So that's all you need to know. Uh, the next favorite movie of the year is Ready or Not. Uh, I really liked Ready or Not. I really loved, I should say, loved Ready or Not. There wasn't too much I can even say that I disliked about the movie. So it was going to go in my favorites of the year. Uh, Samara Weaving is great. She, if, For anyone who forgot or just didn't watch it, Samara Weaving plays Grace, who is getting married into the Ladomas family. But before she can really become a member of the family, she has to survive a night of a deadly game of hide-and-seek. There's a bunch of other stuff in the movie. Uh, the movie is just, it, it's a great... It's treated like a horror comedy, and it just feels that way. It, it doesn't go into the campy side of things. It takes itself seriously. The cast is fantastic. They play it to the point where you can almost tell that every day they were on set, it was so much fun. Um, it's, it's just so... It, I loved it. It's it's one of those movies that I cannot recommend enough. Ready or not, go watch it. Uh, the next movie uh, on the my favorites of the year is The Farewell, uh, based on actual lie as it was being promoted. Although, apparently, uh, Lulu Wang, who directed and wrote the movie... Um, so the, the whole premise is that Lulu Wang found out that her grandmother was diagnosed with cancer, uh, but the whole family did not tell her. And they, instead of telling her, uh, they what the family did was um, put on a fake wedding to get the whole family together to say their quote-unquote goodbyes to, to the grandmother because uh, she had a short time to live. But uh, she's been living on for years and years, and apparently Lulu Wang... Uh, admitted during, I think it was one of the Golden Globes parties, before the actual Golden Globes, that her grandmother had found out. So, it's, <laughs> after all these years of holding up that lie, uh, she finally figured it out. And But, um, nonetheless, talking about The Farewell, it is a darkly funny movie. It borderlines on tugging on your heartstrings. It's, it's just one of those movies where, even if you don't, even if you're not of, you know, the the, the culture that the, that the movie's uh, the Chinese culture that the movie is trying to to uh, to imply. It's still one of those movies where you can relate to it. You can relate to the decision these this family's making, and it's honestly really really great. And the whole movie is told through Aquafina's eyes, and it's one of those movies. And I, I like myself. Aquafina was she was one of those people that I didn't really know if I would really like. Uh, in the movie because you know everyone everything that Aquafina has done so far has been comedy and she just like went out there and just proved all of us wrong and made us eat our own words because she is fantastic in here uh, she she plays drama very well and she she's great and the whole cast is great uh, I forgot to put down the actress of the, the woman that plays uh, the grandmother but she is great as well in this um so I cannot, if you have not seen The Farewell, I cannot recommend this enough either. So go, go watch it. 
Okay, and the last movie on the list, uh, finally, I know you're all waiting for me to shut up now, is Us. Uh, Jordan Peele's second dictatorial feature. I know a lot of people don't like Us. They don't think it's as good as Get Out, but I think Us is a completely different thing. It does play more into the horror genre than Get Out did. It still plays in the social commentary uh, commentary of everything. Uh, plus, we get to see two of... Lupita Luongo's. Lupita Luongo pulls double duty on here, so why not? And it go and it gave us. I got five on it uh, in a horror movie, so wh- why not? I re- I did end up enjoying us. I don't know if it's better than Get Out. I, it probably isn't, but uh, I still really end up enjoying us. I know a lot of people probably found it disappointing. Uh, won't have it on here, but there you go. All right, that is a lot. Uh, I told you I had a big list, so a roundup. I'm just gonna round up my favorite movies of the year. Uh, us. And the, I'm gonna just go. Go Up, Farewell, Ready or Not, Parasite, Midsommar, Knives Out, Dolomite is My Name, Detective Pikachu, Book Smarts, and Avengers Endgame, uh, Honorable Mentions, Toy Story 4, The Stand of Sparrow Creek, Peanut Butter Falcon, Spider-Man Far From Home, Shazam, Richard Jewell, Queen and Slim, Little Women, Jojo Rabbit, uh, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, Ford vs. Ferrari, Fighting With My Family, uh, Hobbs and Shaw, Apollo 11, and Alita, Battle Angel. Those are my favorite movies of the year. Those also are my honorable mentions of the year. One last thing before we go. Obviously, that's 2019. 2019 is in the books. We've already had a couple movies come out uh, this year. We had Grudge come out. If you follow me on Instagram, you know what my thoughts on that movie was. It wasn't good. But um, we, we have that. Uh, of course, we're coming into our second week of releases this week. So hopefully, uh, as the year goes on, we'll have a lot more big movies. Obviously, 2020 is a packed year. Um, me and my friends were discussing it. I told them that I felt like 2020 was a stacked year. And I couldn't name anything because I'm an idiot. Because there were so many good movies that, I, that just popped in my head and then just popped right out. So my quickly, very quickly anticipated movies of the year. I'm just going to... Just say them. I'm just gonna say them. I'm not gonna go into detail on them. Um, for the rest of the month, actually, Bad Boys for Life that comes out uh, next week. The Gentleman, The Invisible Man, A Quiet Place Part Two, which uh, their trailer dropped uh, last week and it was very, very good. Uh, no Time to Die, Black Widow, Wonder Woman 1984, Tenet, uh, Malignant, which is the new movie by James uh, James Wan. I almost said James Gunn. James Wan. I did say James Gunn. Uh, James Wan, who of course directed The Conjuring and Insidious. This is his return to horror movies. There's been a lot of talk about this being uh very close to a um why can i think of his name now the guy who directed suspiria the original one. Oh my god i can't think of his name that is oh that's gonna bother me that's gonna really bother me argento there you go argento it's gonna be the closest thing to an argento movie um that uh, james wan can do uh so the next uh what else uh, uh where, where was i uh bill and ted face the music that comes out in august uh the king's man last night in soho that is a new movie by edgar wright uh which he says it's uh, probably one of his most personal films which is i thought was really great because it's about his time living in soho uh halloween kills also comes out this year snake eyes also as reported supposedly supposed to come out this year i don't know if it's going to come out this year but there is that those come out actually on the same day, at least right now in October. Uh, Eternals, which is the new Marvel movie. I'm actually more curious to see what they're going to do and how they're going to do that. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong comes out in November. And then Dune, which is the movie, uh, of course, the remake of Dune. That's directed by Daniel Villeneuve, who directed Blade Runner 2049. Sicario, Arrival. Uh, also this week, it was uh, released that Guns Akimbo is coming out in February. That is a new movie by Daniel Radcliffe, starring Samara Weaving. That's supposed to be very, very good and very, very out there. Uh, so 
that was my quick anticipated movies of 2020. Uh, obviously, we'll get more into those movies once uh, you know once we get more time and once the podcast isn't over two hours long. I don't know how long this podcast is going to be, but uh, I'm saying it's probably going to be there. So I apologize for that. But there you go. Those that's that's it. That's it, everybody. That's all I got. Uh, I'm finally done. Thank you to all of you who listened, especially if you listened all the way through. You are a real trooper. I apologize and thank you all at the same time. Uh, so that's it. That's all I got for you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you want to go check out the trailers, I felt like so long ago. If you want to go, ch- go check out the trailers to Birds of Prey and um, New Mutants, it already feels like so long ago, which is, I, I'm even forgetting what came out. Uh, the links to the trailers down below. Uh, what else is down there? Uh, stuff. I'm using my Twitter page more. I really am actually using my Twitter page more. So if you want to go follow me on Twitter, highly recommend it. Uh, at least the, the Twitter page for the podcast. Uh, I use my Twitter page all the time too. But uh, everything, all social media stuff is down there. Uh, I haven't been using the Facebook page that much. I'm just going to leave it on there just in case I decide to go back to it. But I think I'm going to put more focus on Twitter. So if you want to go give me a follow over there, I highly rec- I'd really appreciate it. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, what else is down there? Uh, other stuff. I did a written review for Grudge. If you want to go check that out over my WordPress account, just it's a basic. It takes you to the basic page, so it's right there. It's the only thing that I kind of put up uh, recently. Uh, so I'll have a, a review of something this weekend, whether it be 1917 or Underwater. Uh, I'm gonna go watch that. I really want to go watch that. So I review up there of that. Uh, I'm gonna start doing uh, rewinds of the decade up on my WordPress account as well. So from 2000, uh, 2010 to probably not 2019 maybe 2019 i haven't decided when the cutoff is just because it's it's like i just did it i just did the rewind of 2019 so it's just it's it's going to be one of those things where i where i just go back and re, and revisit my favorite movies of the year of that year and see if they still hold up to this year so that's kind of what i'm going to start doing over there on the wordpress account so go give that a listen or go give that a, a, a read i haven't started anything yet but that's the plan uh the first one should probably be going up uh sometime next week for sure probably before the podcast comes out or maybe around the time the time the podcast comes out so that's it guys that's all i got for you guys thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week i really do appreciate it i know it's a long one this week but uh we combined two podcasts into one so that that's what's gonna happen so thank you guys so much everything that you need is down below in the description slash show notes area thank you guys so much for listening once again i got pretty said that like five times already i apologize uh but like i said new year still the same podcast so that's it i have a good weekend be safe have fun and let me know what your lists are i know a bunch of people are doing their lists and stuff like that but uh if you have any movies that uh for whatever reason didn't pop up on the list let me know on twitter or uh on instagram uh as well so that's it thank you guys so much Have a safe, fun weekend. Be good people. And as always, go watch some movies. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And may God have mercy on your soul.